Morning. Let's try that again. Good morning, Victory Life Church. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, thank you for joining us for those of you that are online. My name's Otto Ramos, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my great privilege to welcome you today to Vision Sunday. Can we get a slight ovation for that? We're going to have a great time today. Uh, You know, Pastor Matt mentioned this last week, you know, today we celebrate the past, the present, and the future of our church. Uh, It's 37 years ago, right, Matt, that this church was founded, and uh, so we celebrate the fact that God has blessed this church. We we celebrate the present. Uh, This church continues to thrive, and we're so grateful for that. We also celebrate our tomorrow, our future. Uh, we have a vision for the future. As you can see behind me, have, we have three words, pursue, connect, and ignite. That's our vision for 2021 and 2022. And you're going to hear more about that here momentarily. But welcome to Vision Sunday, and we hope that you'll join us for the picnic afterwards. If this is one of your first times joining us, we want to invite you to check us out at vlchurch.com. There is a banner there that says, Are You New Here? Please click on that banner and fill out that form that you see on the screen, and I will connect with you sometime this week. But indeed, welcome to our church. also want to point you to something that you might see in front of you right now. There is a QR code on the seat back in front of you, and if you take a picture of that QR code with your smartphone, I'm going slow because that's what someone would have to do for me. Take a picture of that QR code, and it will lead you to a link that shows you our bulletin. Our bulletin is digitized. So all of the happenings and events and exciting things that are going on here at Victory Life Church are highlighted on that bulletin. So you can take a look at uh, exciting things that are upcoming. Also, there is a link there to our Life Groups page. Uh, Some of our life groups are ongoing, but many of them are starting up these next few weeks, so take a look at that. I'll talk more about life groups here in just a moment. Also, as I mentioned, it's Vision Sunday, so we're having a picnic out back after second service, so please join us. We're going to have some good barbecue, we're going to have some fun games for the family, and we're going to have a game of kickball, but we're going to be celebrating this Pursue, Connect, Ignite together. And we're so thrilled about it, and we hope that you and your family will come celebrate with us. And I really want you to stay to see my kickball team avenge its loss to Pastor Matt's kickball team. Uh, I want to tell you that I caught some video this week of Pastor Matt practicing his kick with the kickball, and I wanted to show it to you now. If you could take a look here. So if you come today, you will not only... Have a great time and a great meal, but you will be entertained with Pastor Matt and his team and their skills. So we hope that you'll uh, come out to our picnic. Okay, that's enough. I'm enjoying it, too. But nonetheless, it's Vision Sunday. We hope that you'll join us afterwards. Um, Also, I want to make mention of the fact that we do have a piece of merch that is symbolizing our new vision for 2021 and 2022. Can I show it to you? Yeah. Yes. And if you would like to order a Vision Sunday t-shirt, you can go to vlchurch.com. There is a banner there. Just click on that banner. You can order one. They're only $10. They say pursue, connect, and ignite, and they're really cool t-shirts. 
I mentioned life groups just a moment ago. We want to be very intentional about encouraging you to get connected to uh, the things of God in your life. Uh, we really believe that God is always at work. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17, that my Father in heaven is always at work to this very day. So we really believe that he's doing something in our midst right now. And if we pursue him and connect with him within a life group, it's amazing how that might ignite the things of God in our lives and also in the world around us. So check out our life groups once again at vlchurch.com. You'll see a banner there like the one you're seeing on the screen. Click on that banner. You'll see a list of our life groups. We have life groups for young adults called The Collective, life groups for men, life groups for women, life groups for couples, and also topical life groups as well. So we encourage you to get connected to what God has for you with a life group. Want to make mention, last but not least, our men's retreat. We've been pumping this the last couple of weeks. It's going to happen this next weekend. It's going to be a great time. September 10th through the 12th. Cost is $90 if you are 6th grade or older. Uh, so you can bring your little ones with you, 6th grade or older. And uh, it's going to be a great time for the fellows to hang out and just... Uh, uh, you know, hike, fish, shoot guns, and just have a great time together and connect with one another. If you'd like to uh, sign up for that, you can go to our website, or you can actually see Bill Anderson. He's behind a camera back there in that um, um, salmon shirt, pink shirt, orange shirt, something like that. He's waving at you. You can see him afterwards, and you can get signed up for our men's retreat. Well, hey, listen, if you've come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, you know what to do and how to do it. You can text to give. You can give online at vlchurch.com backslash give, or you can give on your way out this morning as you exit the sanctuary. But indeed, thank you for giving to Victory Life Church. Our church is blessed because of it. Can I ask you to stand in preparation for worship this morning? Let's pray. Father God, on this very important Sunday, Vision Sunday, our hearts desire to bring you honor. That is why we are here. It's good for us to bring you honor and to worship you. Truly, one of the best things we could ever engage in as a human being is to worship the Lord Jesus. So we say this morning with the psalmist, who said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That is our heart this morning. Everything, everyone here, may it bring glory, honor, and praise to you and our Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.
Jesus, praise you in this place. Have you noticed this morning that our worship set is about giving God glory? It's about giving Him praise because of what He's done in our lives. He's done so much for you and me. We're not singing songs this morning about I'll follow you anywhere. We do that sometimes. They have a time and place. We're not singing songs about raising hallelujah in the presence of our enemy that has to do with us. We're singing about Him this morning. It's all about Him. All creatures of our God and King, all living things will praise because He created it. So they give praise back onto Him. The saints will rise to sing. Are you not a saint today? You are. We will rise to sing. And even if we don't have eloquent speech, we will sing hallelujah. It's a word given to us to boast in the name of the Lord. Foolishly boast in his name. That's what we're doing is praising him. But why? Because he sent his son, the splendid beauty of the son, the one who died for me. Did you catch it in that last verse? That's why we sing hallelujah. Jesus came to this earth and died for you and me. You see, we were sinful. He was not. We deserved death. He did not. But God the Father saw fit to send Jesus to take our place on the cross because he loved you and me so much. Jesus was the only one who could rise up from the grave because there was no sin in him. And now when we cling to the name of Jesus, we have life and hope also. That's why we can sing, a thousand years will be as one when face to face I see. Because we have a hope. We have a future. We have eternity. When we claim Jesus' name because of what he's done. That's why we're praising this morning. If you're praising already, continue to praise. But if you haven't entered in yet, will you not? Do you not see the splendid beauty of the sun? the one who died for you. It's not about the music now, it's about you, Lord Jesus. It's not about how tired we are, it's about you, Lord Jesus. It's not about if we're sick or healthy right now, it's about you, Lord Jesus. Sometimes it's a sacrifice, but we came today. We're here in this place. And we give you glory. Glorify you alone.
Lord Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Thank you to the worship team this morning. They took us to seminary. There's enough theology in there to blow your mind if you uh, listen to everything that was in those last three songs. God is good and he's worthy of praise. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Matt. 
We are glad to have the young disciples in the room with us this morning. Glad that you're here. It's Vision Sunday, so we said stick around and hang out with us. And uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. You might be saying, okay, I've heard about Vision Sunday, I've seen about Vision Sunday. What's Vision Sunday really all about? What's the, what's the idea here? Well, you know that as a church we have a vision. We have something that we know that we're to be engaged in all the time. And that is to point people to Jesus who can rewrite every life story. So you say, Pastor Matt, are you going to preach on that this morning? Well, in a fashion, yes, I am. That's our overall vision. That's what we believe we're here as a church to do. But every year, the staff and I like to go away. We spend two or three days praying and seeking the Lord and saying, what would you have for us in the next few years? What are some things that you're pointing out to us, Lord, that we need to pay specific attention to in order to do a better job of pointing people to Jesus? And we had an incredible trip away this summer, and I want to begin to share with you just the tip of the iceberg today. We don't have time to get into every bit of the minutia, every single thing that we talked about, but I want to just talk to you about some of the concepts that we came away with. And it was so neat, and I'll just share this, and I'll share this further in, in other weeks, but I went away ready on this retreat to share two things. And they were the pursue and connect piece. And we're going to talk about those a little bit today. But I decided I wasn't going to share them. I was going to put like a fleece out before the Lord like Gideon back in Judges. I wanted to know if the rest of the staff was going to be on the same page. And without ever having to tell them what I had written in my notebook from the Lord prior to coming, we all arrived at the same conclusions. And if you want to see that notebook that was written in June, I can show it to you because one of our interns came back the next week and I was saying, you know, it's really neat as you go back to school that when you trust the Lord to bring about some things that, that are connected and that are unified, he'll do that. Look at what I wrote weeks before we left and I showed her what was in my notes and it's what the staff came and shared with me on that Vision Sunday. Really neat thing. Of course, we'll be taking you to the Bible this morning because if we share things that the Lord's laid on our heart, but we don't share it from the authoritative Word of God, we're in deep trouble. All right, so we'll be sharing from John chapter 4 in just a minute about what we believe God's laid on our heart for our church in the years to come. A couple, couple months ago, I was getting ready for that vision retreat, and I went up the hill. You know, we've got this beautiful pavilion up here. We hope you'll come back around 12:15 today and join us for our picnic. It's free to you. Just come and eat some uh, Jimmy's Backyard Barbecue and fresh corn on the cob and all that glorious stuff. That was not me kicking that ball, by the way. I Thank you. I, I got distracted. So distracted during worship, I laughed three or four times at that. <laughs> but uh, no, that was not me. But come back and join us. But I was up the hill, and I was sitting at the pavilion on a very hot summer day, and it was in that June, June-like drought that we were having. It was very dry, and I went up the hill, and I decided that besides getting ready for the vision retreat, that I would burn some scrap wood that we had on the property. We had scrap wood here and scrap wood there. We needed to get rid of it, and I thought, you know what? I'm a man. I like fire, so I'll burn some of this wood up in our big bonfire pit. So I took a couple of loads up in the church uh, trailer, and I got those up there, and, and I, I, I poured some Purell on them. Did you, know that, did you know that hand sanitizer makes a great accelerant? Yeah, absolutely. Not that you have any extra Purell laying around. But anyhow, <laughs> yes, you do. 
I have 46 bottles. Long story short, I got some Purell on that thing. I lit that bad boy, and it was so dry, we had an inferno, if you will, up at the pavilion. So I sit down and do my work, tend the fire. And Pastor Otto walks up and goes, wow, it's quite the fire you got going there. I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And he sort of looks at it and he goes, are you worried about the brush line over there? And I said, the brush line? No, that's like 20, 25 yards away. He goes, oh, okay. So he walked back down to his office to do some more work. Pastor Aaron, the youth pastor, walked up and he goes, ah, cool, you got a fire going. I says, yeah. He goes, well, I know you're working. I'm not going to bother you. I'm just going to go over and check it out and stand there for a few minutes. I said, go ahead, man. So he goes over and he's, he's just enjoying the fire. And just a moment later, he says, ah, oh, Pastor Matt. And I says, what? He said, did you mean to be burning this over here? And I looked and the woods were on fire. Now, it was just a very little piece of, of ground, right? Just that much, but it was still enough with all that dry brush and all those dry woods that I thought, I do not want to see the headline, local pastor sets, sets stow aflame. And so I sort of screamed like Doc Brown in, in, in uh, Back to the Future. And I said, I said, Aaron, run to the building. Get a couple of buckets of water. I'm going to go to my car. I've got a blanket. I'll see if I can snuff this out. So he runs down to the building to grab an intern, a couple of buckets full of water, and I get my beautiful Lee University blanket out of the back of my car, my favorite blanket. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do it like they do in the movies. I'm going to pat this thing out, and I'm going to be all tough. And so I got my blanket on that, on that fire that was on the brush line, and a few minutes later, I didn't have a blanket anymore. In fact, it was a fragrant smoke offering unto the Lord. My Lee University blanket was gone. By the time Aaron and Taylor, the intern, get back up the hill, the fire's spread to about 10 by 5 now. They throw their buckets of water. Nothing. So I called down to the building. I'm like, Otto, Otto, get the two biggest fire extinguishers we have and bring them up to the top of the hill. Silence. I said, I said to him this way, Otto, what were you thinking? He goes, I didn't know what to think. So next thing I know, Fireman Otto's running up the hill with two fire extinguishers. By this time, it's probably about 20 feet wide by 10 feet deep. We're like, well, let's set a perimeter. So we, we, we pull the pins and we set this perimeter, and then we dive in. Like we dive into the pile of, of, of smoldering wood and we start pulling wood away and we're burning our shins and, and we're inhaling smoke and we're pulling this thing away. And then we start running back and forth to the pond over and over and over again to put out this inferno because that's what it felt like. <laughs> and we went back and forth to the pond and bucket after bucket after bucket. And when it was finally over, we're all just... <coughs> You know, smoke inhalation for real. But we put that thing out in that little, little patch when Aaron looked at me and said, do you mean to be burning this over here? Eventually it was 25 yards by about 12 yards deep. It was very close. <laughs> it was very, very close. I learned some things that day. Some life lessons about how quickly fire can spread. I also learned about the power of the wind. Because it was the wind that day that had made that dry wood in the bonfire pit go so aflame. It, it was that wind provided all the oxygen necessary to sort of send that pyre up into the ground. But it was one of those embers carried by the wind that almost got us in trouble. Well, I want to talk to you not about a bad ignition today. I want to talk to you about a good igniting. A good ignition. And how quickly things can spread when they have all the right conditions. We went away with the staff and we were reading Matthew chapter 25. You know the parable of the talents? 
The master gives his servants either five talents or two talents and one talents. And the idea is that he's going to go away, but when he returns, he expects a return on his investment. And we saw the return on the investment in the story was double. The, the, the servant that was given five talents doubled to ten, and the servant that was given two talents doubled to four. And the servant that was given one talent, well, he didn't do so well because he didn't double his talent, even though that was the expectation of the master. And we saw this principle of exponential growth with what God had given his servants. And we went away and we were convinced that God is about to ignite us as a body of believers. That the gospel is going to get set aflame in a powerful way. That we are going to baptize more people than we've ever baptized before. Make more disciples than we've ever made before. Because the conditions are right. And a fresh wind is going to come through. And ignite our church in a powerful, powerful way. That seems like lofty talk, but it's where we were all at. We don't know if we're this servant with five talents, two talents, or one talent. But we believe the Lord is going to get a great return on his investment because VLC has a lot to steward. We have wonderful people like you who are open to the Spirit of God leading them and moving them into wherever God tells them to go. We have a property and a building that we can use and maximize for the Lord. Our finances are in good shape, praise the Lord. You wouldn't have even known a pandemic hit us last year because of his goodness. And God has given us the team and the mechanisms by which to disciple people. I hope to take a look at those life groups today. I hope you'll hop on the website. It's amazing all the different ways in which people can be discipled here at Victory Life because a church is only as good as what they can do with the people God sends them. To ignite something, you have to have a pile of wood. You probably have to have something to get that wood started, burning. You probably need to have an accelerant, and you most likely need the oxygen, the wind, to set it ablaze. And what I want to talk to you about this fall are the accelerants that we believe God is going to use to spread the gospel, to point people to Jesus from this place. And the accelerants that are going to help VLC ignite are pursue and connect. We believe that God is calling us like never before to pursue the spirit of the Lord, to pursue the voice of God, for our entire community as individuals and collectively to pursue the leading of the Holy Spirit so strongly that every single one of us can hear from, speak from, and act from the Lord. All for the glory of Christ Jesus and to point people to him. And we believe that as a church we have work to do. That we are not complete in our ability to connect people into the body of Christ. But we believe the Lord has set up some goals for us. We'll be talking about those in the coming weeks to make sure that we can do the best job possible connecting people into the family of as I mentioned this morning, we can only begin to look at the tip of the iceberg. But I think there's a story from the New Testament that's going to help illustrate these pursue and connect concepts. And it's from John chapter 4. And I want to talk to you today about the ignition of Samaria. How God took a whole entire region and changed it forever for the glory of Christ Jesus. Are you in John chapter 4? We're going to be reading verse 3 and following, and this is quite a long story. So I'm going to pause intermittently to make some, con, or to make some uh, statements about it so that we don't read the whole thing at once and miss anything. John chapter 4, verse 3 and following says this. 
Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Do you remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the Jewish people? Let me turn my page here. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. I know you wanted to start this dreary day outside with a little bit of geography, so here we go. There were four main regions of Israel at the time of Jesus, and three of them are mentioned in these couple of verses here. There was Judea that was in the south, and that's where Jerusalem was. That's where the city of Jerusalem is today. That's where so much of the activity of the Bible takes place. In the middle of Israel was Samaria. Okay, that was the central part of Israel. And in the north of Israel is Galilee. That's where Jesus does most of his work and ministry, in the region of Galilee. The people of Galilee in the north and Judea in the south were what we would call Orthodox. They were the Jewish people who were following everything that you read from Genesis to Malachi and doing their best to worship God at the temple where it was laid out. The people of Samaria, in the middle, not so much. In fact, in a very simple way, we could probably, from the Jewish mindset, call the Samaritans heretics and half-breeds, because that's what they were to the Jews. Not fully Jewish in their genetics, and not anywhere close to the right place theologically. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. So what happens next is really going to be shocking. Verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So we have this normal day. Jesus is traveling from Judea in the south to to Galilee in the north in order to continue doing his ministry. We see the full humanity of Jesus on display. He's tired. He's so tired that when he gets to the well outside the city, he sits down and says to disciples, go on ahead and buy some food in the village. I'm going to stay here and rest. Jesus is tired, and he needs something to drink. At noon that day, that's the sixth hour, this woman comes up to the well, and she begins to draw water. And Jesus decides to engage. Propriety would have been not to engage, and on a number of levels. Number one, she's an unchaperoned woman, and he's a single adult male, and at that time in history, it wouldn't have been quite right for him to engage her in conversation. Not, not, not terrible, not sinful, not despicable, but uh, just a little bit off that Jesus decides to engage anyhow. But the other thing the woman says is clear. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. I don't even think you should be talking to me. Yet Jesus crosses this pain line. Knowing that it's going to get awkward, he begins to engage this woman and speak with her. And I want to ask you why. Why does Jesus choose to talk to this woman? What's going on? Why why does he do this? Think about this for just a minute. If Jesus had chosen to engage every single person that he ever came in contact with, he would have had to minister for about a hundred years. I mean, he only ministered for three. He would pass people on the road. He would see people in his journeys that he would choose not to speak to. Yet Jesus crosses all types of societal pain lines in order to speak to this woman. Why? 
Why? Well, if you follow the story of John, Jesus spoke to this woman because he was directed to. You say, what do you mean? I want to make a clear delineation here. Remember Jesus was tired at the well? That means Jesus didn't cheat. He did humanity as we do humanity. Remember when Hebrews said he was tempted in every way such as we, yet was without sin? Jesus didn't cheat. Remember when we read from Philippians chapter 2 a moment ago and it said that Jesus emptied himself? He emptied himself to become a human and do life as we do it. And we learn a couple of things about Jesus from the book of John and how he did life the way we are supposed to. And the first is this. In John chapter 1 verse 33, Jesus, or the Bible makes a big deal out of Jesus having the Spirit of God descend on him and remain. John the Baptist says to his disciples in John 1.33, he says, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he's the one to follow after me. He's the one that I want you to pursue. I'm not the master and the rabbi anymore. He is. Follow him. The one on whom you see the Spirit of God descend and remain. It's interesting that all the different gospel writers focus on different things about the life of Jesus, but every single one of them recounts his reception of the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Every single gospel writer. So much so that Luke makes it very clear, going from Luke chapter 3 to Luke chapter 4, that Jesus, when he goes into the wilderness to be tempted, was led by the Spirit of God. In the book of John, it is no different. Jesus was fulfilling all righteousness by being baptized, and he was doing life as we expected it, as we are expected to do life, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. John also has an underlying thing going on throughout the entire book. And for those of you who have studied John, you may remember this. Over and over and over again, Jesus says, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak, and I only do what the Father tells me to do. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus engages this woman because he was directed to. That's where I get that concept. He's only speaking what he hears from heaven. He's only doing what the Lord in heaven tells him to do through the Holy Spirit. In the same way that we are supposed to live our life, Jesus was living his life. And at that moment, sitting at that well, wearied as he was from the day, he got the old Christian word that I like to use. Here's some good Christianese for you today. He got an unction. Everybody say unction. Yeah. You almost have to be from the south to hear the word unction, right? It's not a word we use anymore, but, but, but unction was a word that the Christians of old used to, used to use for when the Holy Spirit goes on your heart and says, do this, say this, engage here, serve here, pray here, do it. Jesus gets an unction. He knows he's supposed to engage this woman. He didn't engage everybody. He didn't always step out. John himself says in John chapter 20, if I would have recorded everything that Jesus did, all, uh, the, I, I could fill up all the books of the world. But the stories that we have in the gospel are stories of when Jesus chose to engage and was led to engage, and he decides to engage this woman. You ever been there? You ever got the unction? Say this, do this, serve here, pray here, give here. And you think to yourself, oh, no, no, thank you, God. I'd rather not. This could get awkward. And God says, do it anyway. Jesus crosses proprietal lines. He, he crosses uh, social lines, and he engages this woman. 
And he really goes for it. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is very deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water will well up in him and become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty anymore and have to come here to draw water. Jesus lays out the gospel. In fact, Jesus is doing the vision of our church. Jesus is pointing to Jesus. He's going, if you knew who was talking to you and what he had to offer, you'd be asking him for a drink. He's just sharing the gospel using an allusion. He's using a, a word picture. He's sharing the gospel by talking about the gospel as water. If you ever take the workshop, which is our tell-the-story element of our mission, it's our, it's our way to help people begin to engage in evangelism. We talk about using word pictures that come straight from the Scripture to share the gospel with people in context. Jesus is doing that. He's just sharing the gospel in context. He's not looking at her and going, I'm going to die on the cross. She'd be like, you're going to die on a Roman instrument of torture? What does that mean to me, right? He's just talking about water here. And that water will spring up into eternal life that he's pointing to himself. He's saying, I am it. And he's using very spiritual language. And I know that there's been lots of music written about this from everyone from Wesley to Gaither have written a song about this water. But, but the woman's not having any of it. Do you notice? She is not impressed by his spiritual language. Anybody here ever shared the gospel and somebody looks at you like you're a madman or a madwoman? Like you're just crazy, like you just said aliens landed in your backyard. You know, Jesus is sharing who he is with this woman, and either she's really incredulous or she's even mocking him. Look at what she says to him. Remember, she's already looked at him and said, why are you talking to me? Okay? Then she goes on and says, uh, sir, this well's pretty deep. What are you going to draw water with? Then she says, and this is my paraphrase, who do you think you are? Are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than, than the forefather of all of our faith, Jacob? Are you greater than he? Jacob was renamed Israel, by the way, and this was the name of the people of God, Israel. Jacob's a pretty important dude. She goes, who do you think you are? Are you greater than Jacob? And, and so he goes back in and he says, he says, listen, the water I want to give you will well up into eternal life. And she's still having none of this spiritual language. She says, Go on and give me this water. I'm tired of coming up here every day. She's not engaging with him at all. I'm not taking this out of context. I'm reading it in context. She's not interested in what he's offering. He's sharing the gospel, and she's putting up the halt sign. And and I want to just make it abundantly clear to you, just because Jesus was Jesus didn't mean that everybody always accepted him, did they? John says early in this gospel, I believe it's John chapter 1 verse 14 or thereabout, maybe verse 19. John says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So Jesus, when he risks things like this, can be rejected. And in this particular case, it doesn't seem to be going well. Now Jesus goes all in. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, well, go call your husband and come here. 
And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying that you have no husband, for you had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus reads her mail. That's why I like to call this. Jesus reads her mail. Now, I've met people who can read people's mail. I don't like them. They're usually very creepy. All right? But no, they're, they're not always. I have met people who, who get a word from the Lord and they share it. And you're like, how did you know that? That's incredible. Once again, we have to understand the theology of John. Jesus is being led. Jesus is being directed. He didn't get to the well that day and go, I'm going to stop being human for a minute and turn the God back on. I'm going to turn on the eternal Son of God for a moment so I can read her mail. Jesus is doing it as we are expected to do it, being filled by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, and doing what the Spirit says. Jesus reads her mail, and he's right on. I mean, he's really right on. Now, a lot could be made over the woman's lifestyle. We don't know if she was... I mean, you don't have five husbands in a normal course of life, right? So, so there's something wanting in her character, whether she's, she's a gold digger or whether she's a black widow or, or whatever's going on here. We don't know. We just know that, that she's probably not a person of character. All right? Jesus loves to engage people that, that don't have a lot of character, but that's a different sermon for another day. What's most important is Jesus shared the gospel with her. She was having none of it, and now he demonstrates the spirit of God's power. And it's going to change the entire conversation. He shares the gospel, it has very little effect on her, and now he demonstrates the power of the Spirit by reading her mail. Now you might say, this is the point at which you've lost me, Pastor Matt, I'm done. I mean, I, mean, I, can, I can think about trying to be like Jesus and sharing his character. I can think about being like Jesus and being sacrificial. I can think about being like Jesus and being meek. But, but to be like Jesus... And operate in the Spirit of God the way he did, I, I, I can't do that. And I want to say to you, yes, you can. Absolutely. You may not have this gift right here. You may never read somebody's mail. You may never be able to look at somebody and say something so right on that, that they just... But you can hear from the Holy Spirit. You can speak from the Holy Spirit. You can act from the Holy Spirit, and many of you have time and time again. And I want to be abundantly clear to you this morning. I was going to wait to share this, but I'll share it now. The New Testament model of evangelism, and you, I say this on the authority not only of what Jesus did, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, was to share the gospel with a demonstration of the Spirit. What was to share the truth of the gospel but also have, if you will, in the back pocket of the believer the idea that the gospel has power, that God is real, and that God's power and God's realness can be demonstrated through the people of God. Is anybody with me this morning? That, that God's realness and God's power can be demonstrated through the people of God, that the gospel is brought not with eloquence, says Paul, but with a demonstration of the Spirit. And demonstrations of the Spirit can be a word, it can be an insight, it can be an act of service, it can be a healing prayer, it can be a comforting prayer, it can be a vision of the future, it could be reading somebody's mail. But the New Testament is clear that this 
This, the gospel with a demonstration of the Spirit, sometimes is what is needed to bring people to salvation. And if the demonstration of the Spirit can't happen through the people of God, how is it supposed to happen? Especially since we've been told in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, even to the young disciples. Every single one of us can operate in a way that can demonstrate the power and the realness of God when we get the unction. When God tells us to engage. God has supernatural gifts available, and sometimes a supernatural gift is just whispering in your ear, Joshua, serve them this way. And Josh says, I don't know that they need that, but I'll go ahead and do that anyway, Lord. And they look at Joshua and they say, that is exactly what I needed. How did you know to do that? And Josh goes, well, you know, I'm smart. No. Josh goes, yeah, the Lord told me to do that. Do you know Jesus? He loves you. He cares about you. We're supposed to be able to operate in some of these things, folks, where we hear from the Lord and act from the Lord. I always thought, as I mentioned, the people who read people's mail are super weird because usually they look at you like this. You had coffee this morning, didn't you, Otto? Praise the Lord. Did you see the miracle? You know? Like, like you think, what is that all about, right? Like, like are, are they weirdos? But this can happen. A while back I had a, I had somebody who wanted to meet with me. They wanted to chat. And so they set up this time to chat. And I was praying that day, and the Lord said, their spouse has been violent with them. Ask them about it. And I thought, if I say that, and I'm wrong, they will, I don't even know what they'll do. I, I don't know if that's you, God. And I'm not going to say that. So I ended up meeting with this person at the appointed time. And we're talking about the weather. We're talking about their kids. We're talking about my kids. We're talking about anything than what's important. And I'm sitting there thinking, why are we talking? Why did they set up this time to talk? And they're not telling me. And I thought, what is this all about? And the Lord said, say it. And I thought, no. That's zany. And the Lord said, say it. And I thought, okay. He says, when are you going to tell me that your spouse got violent with you? And their jaw dropped. And in the confidence of the Holy Spirit, I said, that's why you set up this meeting, but that's the very thing that you don't want to talk about. When when were you going to tell me? And they said, yes, that is why. And I just didn't want to say it because of what you think of my spouse and what might have to happen now. And I said, yeah, that's heavy. And you know what? We had to deal with that. And we had to go through the right channels and, and go the right way and do the right things. Now, I want to tell you something about myself. I like the Cleveland Browns. I go to my kids' sporting events and scream like a crazy person. I play video games. Zelda is my game of choice right now. But a lot of times it's Madden, whatever. I, I enjoy watching movies. I, I watched The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, last night. I watched Aragorn save Rohan. I'm a normal person. I'm not a weirdo. Yet I got a word from the Lord. And I spoke it and it was correct. So can you.
so can you. If we do that, if we pursue the voice of the Lord, if we pursue the spirit of the Lord, if we're passionate about wanting to point people to Jesus and say, you know what, my words are not enough. Holy Spirit, use me to point people to Jesus. I need that. God can do that type of thing. And for you, it might look different than me, and God's given us different gifts. The Bible's very clear. We have varied gifts. The way I'm able to point people to Jesus is going to be different than the way Josh does it, and the way that that I'm able to point people to Jesus is going to be different than the way Steph does it. But that's what each one of us needs to be able to demonstrate the Spirit of the Lord, to be able to show people that God is real and He cares. It can only happen, though, if we hear the voice of the Lord the way Jesus did. Skip down to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She went from incredulous mocking to salvation. Incredulous mocking to salvation. Do you know what the woman did next? It says in verse 28 that she left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. So they went out of the town and they were coming to him. Look at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay there, and he stayed two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard him for ourselves, and we know indeed that this is the Savior of the world. Jesus heard the voice of the Lord, and salvation came to one woman. And she went and connected her village. She pointed people to Jesus. She said, it's not just for me, it's for you too. Let me connect you to the one who told me all that I ever did. And Samaria ignited for Christ. You see, too long have the Christians in this country been comfortable with trying to start a fire with wet wood. Too long. What stood between people and salvation 60 years ago at the Billy Graham crusade was only whether or not they believed that they needed a personal Savior, a personal relationship with Jesus. Not whether or not Christianity was sound, not whether or not Christianity was a safe and stable religion. Just, just, do I need a relationship with Jesus? Do I need to be forgiven? The roadblocks today are myriad. The, 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 the things between people and the Lord today are huge. So much so that it's almost like the pre-Christian age. Where unless the people of God come with the gospel and a demonstration of the Spirit, the people surrounding us will be unmoved. That's the why. 
That's why in the coming days we are going to implore you, encourage you, and exhort you to pursue the voice and leading of God's Holy Spirit so that you can point people to Jesus with more than just your words, but with your actions and Holy Spirit-inspired speech. Because when Christians do that, somebody makes a connection and the kingdom of God can ignite. I don't know about you, but, but I needed someone who was passionate about pursuing the voice of the Lord to speak to me. To demonstrate the power of God to me. There's people in our lives right now that need that so desperately. People in Stowe and Cuyahoga Falls and Talmadge and Akron and Hudson who are waiting for the people of God to pursue the Holy Spirit build by him and speak and act from him. And I know that a message like this could be met with fear and skepticism. And I've sat in your seat before and listened to a pastor preach a sermon like this and thought, oh, that's creepy. I don't know if that could ever be me. Last year, I met a gal who'd come to church and given her life to Christ. And she came and she was so excited. She, she, she came out and, and talked to me under the portico. Some of you have not even done that. You've been here like months. It's scary to talk to the pastor, I know. It's weird. I'm not mocking you. I, I, I would go to a church for like eight months before I ever talked to a pastor. Just I need to know if he's a weirdo. I get it. But she came and she pursued me the very first day that she had ever gone to church. <laughs> she, 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 she hadn't been raised a Christian. So they gave my life to Christ, and I need to talk to you about it. And I thought, well, this is incredible. I said, yeah, talk to me. Tell me what happened. She said, I was at the lowest point of my life. And she said, I was praying in my brother's basement. God, if you're real, I need a sign. Because I'm lost. And she said, I was working the drive through the next day at my job. Going about my day, and a man drove through the drive through and he looked at me weird. And he said, God knows you, and God loves you. She said, that was the day after I'd said, God, I need a sign that you're real. Some guy drove through and just happened to tell her, God knows you, and God loves you. She said she reached her hands out the drive-thru and they prayed right there. I had to ask more questions. How does something like this happen? In fact, I, I found out where the gentleman went to church. He, he goes to a church, I'd never tell you where, that preaches that the gifts of the Spirit, as demonstrated in the New Testament, are no longer in effect. That that was for the time of the New Testament just to get the church started. And those gifts don't happen anymore. Yet that man, sometime that day, got an unction. A gift from the Spirit of the Lord to say a random thing to a random person at the drive-thru. 
and it led to her salvation. So I have, I'm going to tell you something. Whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Catholic, whatever you are in this place today, I don't care about your theology. I don't. I don't. If I missed your denomination, I'm sorry. Brethren, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, I don't care about your theology. What is true of the church in every age is that people should pursue the voice of the Lord and act from Him and speak from Him. And whether or not we're in the age of the apostles or this is over or this has ceased or that has ceased, it doesn't matter. God wants to use you. That's why we pursue the Holy Spirit so we can connect others to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, I have the privilege of preaching at an interdenominational church. One that says that those who worship the Lord should worship Him in spirit and in truth. It really doesn't matter if we're at the temple in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. It's that we pursue the spirit of the Lord and operate in His truth. God, I pray today that you would speak to each one of us reminding us that you are a powerful God whose desire is to reveal himself to a world that needs him. I pray, Lord, that even today you would touch our hearts in such a way not to say, God, I want to be powerful. I, I want to have powerful things happen through me. No. God, Help me pursue you in a way that would point people to Jesus. And that when I hear your voice, when I get the unction, that I would move and I would speak. And I would trust you to do what only you can do. Make me, Lord, one who helps to ignite your church and ignite your God, I pray that over all assembled here, that you would use us mightily for the kingdom of God and for your glory. We pray all these things today in the matchless and powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand? Because if you don't stand, you can't leave. Hey, I hope you come back. Whether it's dreary or not, we're going to have quite the party this afternoon. Pastor Otto's team is going to get destroyed in kickball, and it's worth the price of admission just to see that. Come on back, hang out with us. We're going to have a lovely day together. Uh, if you're new and you're like, I don't know anybody, cool. We'll get to know you. That's why we have a picnic. So come on up. BYOC, bring your own chair if you want to be comfortable. And uh, there's cornhole and knocker balls and volleyball and kickball and we're just sitting and eating seconds and thirds, whatever you want. So we hope you come back. Let's pray God's blessing over us as we leave. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. May we spare no expense in pursuing you. May no reservation keep us from all that you have for us. And Lord, would you speak and move in and through us, we pray. 
Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thank you.